As I was thinking about the fact that this will be the last time that I speak to you this year, I wanted to leave you with a message that would be a good way to end the year, but yet at the same time would be a good way to start the new year. If there's one thing I wanted to drill into your brains and drill into your hearts and drill into your souls, uh, what would it be? What would be the most important thing that would be a good reflection upon the last year that we have just spent and a good thing to be thinking about as we start the new year? What would be the one thing that I really would want myself to reflect upon and also would want you to reflect upon? As you think about everything that happened this past year, what would be the one thing? As we think about the future and what the future holds, what would be the one thing? Well, several different things moved around in my head, and I kept thinking about what would be the best thing to say, and I finally um, settled on this one sentence that I think is such a very important sentence. A sentence that takes care of last year and everything that happened this past year. And a sentence that will prepare us for the future. And the sentence is simply this. God loves you and he wants to save you. We can never, ever forget that God loves each and every one of us. And God wants each and every one of us to go to heaven. Regardless of what happened this past year, we need to make sure we know and appreciate in our heart of hearts and know it without a doubt that God loves us and He wants to save us. Whatever happens in the next year, in 2019, no matter what struggles we may face, no matter what accomplishments we may have, no matter what may happen to us, We need to make sure we understand and have faith in the premise and the fact that God loves us and He wants to save us. God loves us and He wants us to go to heaven. The story is told of a man, a very successful man who was a well-known surgeon that was walking down the street one day. And as he was walking down the street, he came across a man who was a beggar, He was wearing filthy, tattered clothes. He, of course, was unkempt, unbathed, unshaven, uh, looked awful. And the man walked up to him and said, can you spare some change? And the doctor started looking at him real close, and he says, do I know you? And the man kind of stood there for a few moments, and he said, yes, you know me. And he says, how do I know you? And he says, Well, we went to medical school together. Um, We were in the same dorm. We were in the same classes. And the doctor said, well, well, what happened to you? And he said, well, medical school, I did pretty good and got out of medical school, but I made some bad decisions, got involved in some malpractice, got involved with some other things, and I lost everything. I lost everything. I lost my wife. I lost my family. I lost my livelihood. And now I have nothing. And I live here on the streets. Doctor thought for a few moments and he said, well, we can't have that. And he reached into his pocket and he pulled out his checkbook 
And he wrote his old classmate a check for $10,000. He says, I don't care about what happened to you. I don't care what you did. I don't care if you're sorry for what you did. I don't care what happened. I'm going to give you a new start. I'm going to allow you to begin again. And here is a check for $10,000. And, of course, his old classmate was flabbergasted and couldn't believe it. And he was overwhelmed with joy. He says, the possibilities that now are before me is just unreal. I just don't know what to do. And the doctor said, you just go start a new life. And I hope the next time I see you, we run into each other, we'll be able to talk about things that you've overcome and how good that you're doing. Well, this beggar put the check into his pocket and started walking toward the bank to cash it. And he was thinking about all the possibilities that now lay before him, all the things that he could correct and make right again. All the, all the wrongs that have been done can, can somehow can be done over and he can be given a second chance. But as he got to the bank and he got up to the door, he saw his reflection in the glass door. And as he looked through the door, he would see the people in the bank and then he would see his reflection. And as he looked into the bank, he saw these people behind the desk, all wearing suits and ties, all groomed, all clean. He saw other people going into the bank, and they all looked very nice. And, and the bank itself, looked, you know, they had all the nice furniture and the plants and everything. It just was a nice place. And then every time he looked inside, and he'd step back just a little bit, and he would see his reflection in the door the glass of the door, and he saw a man who was a bum. He saw a man who was a beggar, a man who was filthy, a man who nobody wanted to be around. And he said in his mind, there's no way in the world I can go in and cash that check. They'll think I stole it. They'll think I forged it. They cannot, would not believe that someone that looks like me, someone who is me, would ever have that kind of money in my possession and that somebody would ever even offer to give me that kind of money. So he just simply turned around, walked back down the street, went back to his corner, and started begging again. Well, a few days passed, and it just so happened by coincidence that this same doctor came by again. And the doctor was surprised to see his former classmate once again, the same spot. And at first he was a little bit angry. He said, what did you do with the money? Did you gamble it away? Did you, did you spend it on drink? I don't understand what happened. I gave you $10,000. And his classmate reached into his pocket and pulled out the check. And he says, no, I, I still have it here. It's still in my possession. And then he proceeded to explain to his friend what happened and why he changed his mind. And he said, I was scared to death. They would never believe me, that they won't take the check from me, that they'd swear that I forged it. And so I just stuck it back in my pocket and haven't cashed it. Well, the doctor looked his friend square in the eye and he said, listen to me. What makes that check good is not your clothes, not your appearance, not how clean you are, not how 
good you smell. What makes that check good is my signature. And my signature on that check is all that matters. You go back to that bank and you boldly go inside that bank and you go up to that counter and you present that check because that check is not based on you and your self-worth. That check is based upon my self-worth and my signature. Isaiah described the sinful condition of man in a very descriptive and truthful way. And Jeremy read this for us just a few moments ago from Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6. But notice the emphasis, first of all, as I read this scripture, on the word all, A-L-L. It appears three different times in the scripture. And the emphasis is there's no exception to this, regardless of who we are, regardless of what we think about ourselves, regardless of our background, regardless of, of anything. This applies to everybody. But Isaiah, talking about ourselves, he says, All of us have become like one who is unclean. Or literally, all of us are like beggars. The unclean of those who were a part of um, Judah, a part of Israel history, were those who were cast out. Those who weren't allowed to be a part of regular society. The unclean ones were the ones that had to go around, especially those who were lepers, and cry out, unclean, unclean, so nobody would get very close to them. They were the cast off of society, and nobody wanted anything to do with them. But Isaiah describes us this way. He says, all of us have become like one who is unclean. Every single one of us are dirty, filthy beggars. But then he goes on, to emphasize the fact and says, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Now he's emphasizing a very important point. Regardless of how good we may be in this life, regardless of how we may get things right from time to time, and all of us who are human and all of us who keep trying have better days than other days. But just in case we start thinking about the fact that we are pretty good people, that we're not as bad as some other people that we know, and we're certainly not as bad as that person over there, we need to understand and appreciate, as Isaiah puts it here, is that anything that we do that is right based upon our own merit or what we think we have done good at, it's just like filthy rags. It's like we're wearing the clothes of a beggar also. They're not clean. They're not special. Everything that we have done that is right and good, though there's nothing wrong with being right and good, obviously, at least as far as God is concerned, you're nothing more than a beggar and you are wearing filthy, filthy clothes. In fact, he goes on and says, we all, no exception, are shriveled up like a leaf and the wind, our sins, sweep us away. Uh, I've not had the opportunity to uh, rake the leaves from the front of my yard yet, and I'm sure my neighbors are waiting for me to do that. But we all understand the picture that Isaiah is painting for us here. 
that you look at a leaf on a tree in the summertime and it's all green and pretty, but come fall, what happens to that leaf that one time was so beautiful and was catching the rays of the sun and was using uh, the process of, of, of oxygen and the water coming up through the ground to, to create food for that tree? Well, the tree begins to change color. Sometimes the color is pretty, but it still changes color until eventually it turns brown and dies and falls up off the tree, lands down on the ground, and then as it begins to dry up and gets drier and drier and loses its moisture, the wind can come and just carry it anywhere it wants to go. Isaiah is trying to impress us upon something upon us, a picture that we need to look at, a picture if we look in the reflection of a mirror or look even in the reflection of the bank of, of the door of a bank, is that we are nothing more than beggars wearing filthy clothes and we're all shriveled up to the point that the wind could just blow us away. And it's all because of our sins. But the good news is, Jesus Christ has written a check. Jesus Christ has written a check to cover the debt of our sin. Jesus Christ has paid the price of our sin. It cost him his life, but yet he has written a check. He has paid a debt. He has taken care of the sin debt that we have in our life. And the reason being is he bore our sins on his own body on the cross. And having died to sin, he has given us the opportunity to live for righteousness. And we can be healed of our sinful condition because he did indeed pay the price. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, uh, in the King James Version, puts it this way. Talking about Jesus Christ, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Now here's the thing that I want to impress upon you this evening and impress upon you as we close out this year and as we begin a new year. As we look at ourselves, as we look at our filthy rags, as we look at our horrible begging condition, because that's all we can do is beg. We have no right to do anything else. But as we look at our filthy rags, we sometimes may feel unworthy of cashing the check. Sometimes we just believe it's too unreal that there is a check that we can cash. Sometimes we look in the mirror and we look at ourselves and say, well, I'm not worthy of this check. There's no way in the world that this check is going to be good. There's no way in the world anybody's going to believe that I didn't forge this check or somehow or another I stole this check. I know I am not worthy of this check. We're ashamed at our own fruitless attempts to live the way that we should live and we don't feel like oftentimes that we deserve a fresh start and this doesn't seem fair at all. Why should anybody, much less myself, get any kind of fresh start, get any kind of second chance, get any, any kind of, of do-over. But folks, that's the beauty 
of grace. We don't deserve it. We absolutely don't deserve it. But because of His love and because of His mercy, God wants to give us a new beginning. We will never be able to earn this new life, but we must simply cash the check. We have got to cash the check. And what makes God's check of salvation good is not your clothes or your appearance or even your life for that matter. But what makes God's check of salvation good is His signature and it's written in the blood of Jesus Christ. And of course, I think we're well aware of the fact of how we need to cash God's check of salvation. We have got to put our faith in Him. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 reminds us that without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Faith is not just believing that God is who He says He is. That's what faith is a part of. But notice there's a second part. The kind of faith that pleases God is a faith who believes that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that seek Him. We need to have faith in the fact that God will reward us, that the check is good, that the signature is good. And regardless of who we are, we can cash that check. The Bible also reminds us that in order to cash that check, we need to be willing to change the direction of our life or repent. Paul reminds us in Acts 17 and verse 30 that there was a time that God winked at the ignorance of man but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. We also need to be willing to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Uh, Romans 10.10 reminds us that with the heart... uh, May, uh, belief is, is made, but then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And obviously, uh, there's so many passages that tell us that we need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins, uh, such as Acts 2.38 and Acts 22 and verse 16. But we also need to remember that after we have cast that check, the amazing thing about the check that God has written for us through the blood of Jesus Christ is a check that just keeps on giving because that's the way that God's grace is. It just keeps on giving. And so if we're willing to continue to cash that check by walking in the light as He is in the light and continually confessing our sins, then we will continue to have God's grace. We will continue to have the benefits of the debt that Jesus Christ has paid for us. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7 reminds us if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sins. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 also reminds us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. God has promised He'll forgive us our sins after we become Christians if we're willing to confess those sins. And He is just in that He will do the right thing because He has promised He will carry out what His justice has already dictated and that is that Jesus Christ has paid the debt. He paid a debt that He did not owe but it's a debt that we need to acknowledge that He has paid for us. And so 
as we come to the close of 2018 and as we begin another year in our lives, and we don't know what 2019 is going to hold, we don't know what days we're going to get it all right, we don't know what days we're going to mess up a little bit, we don't know days where we're going to mess things up royalty, uh, royally, we don't know what kind of trials we're going to face. We don't know what old temptations may come up. We don't know what new temptations may come up. But the main thing I want to leave with you as we close out this year is don't let the tattered clothes of your past keep you from cashing God's check of salvation. And here's the reason why. And don't ever forget this. God loves you. And God wants you to be saved. God loved you so much that he gave the most precious gift he could give, and he gave himself. We oftentimes think of, of Jesus being a separate entity from God, which he is, of course, in a sense. But yet, God is one. And so literally what happened when Jesus came to this earth is God took a part of himself and came down here to earth and he did the same things that we do. He faced the same temptations that we face. And then he freely offered himself up as a sacrifice and bore all of our sins so that we can go to heaven. For God is willing to do all that that we can be saved. We need to be impressed upon two very important things. First of all, he loves us. Don't ever doubt how much God loves you. And secondly, he so wants you to go to heaven. And so, once again, as you close out this year, regardless of what may have happened this past year, something hasn't changed. God, God loves you. And he wants to save you. And as you move into the new year, Whatever there may be in this new year, never ever forget the fact that God loves you and God wants to save you. If you have a need this evening, won't you come as together we stand and sing.